welcome to the Chapman CG podcast series, inspiring and informative conversations with top HR leaders from around the world. It's almost hard to find an organization that isn't going through transformation of some kind these days. As the pace of business increases and the new disruptive technologies are developed, companies need to adapt quickly and organizational culture is crucial to this. Today, I'm delighted to speak with Richard Cotter, Head of Organisation Development and Research at Allianz Ireland. Richard has been leading an interesting and uncommon approach to culture change in their Ireland organisation, where they've turned to anthropology as a founding block for the transformation. Today, we're asking Richard to talk us through their novel cultural change journey that has since been recognised as best practice within the wider Allianz group. Hi, and welcome, Richard. Thanks for joining me today. Hi, Anna. Thank you very much. And thanks, Chapman CG, for giving us an opportunity to talk about our culture change program. Wonderful. So, Richard, can you tell me a bit about your role at Allianz? Yeah, my role is to, I guess, to enable the business to achieve its, its strategic objectives. So my role is head of organization development and research. So organization development is one way to help an organization to change, uh, but not just to change, but to understand what it's already doing very well and to sustain that insofar as it's relevant to the future needs of the business and all and all our stakeholders. So I guess the organization development side of the role is to put in change programs or programs of work that include as many stakeholders as possible, ideally all of them, and that's usually what we're able to achieve, to help change the organization so we can achieve our business objectives. The research dimension then is as you're doing that, um, you're also understanding what kind of organization you have and uh, you're learning about what's working and what's, what's not working and you can take, take action in that, re- in that respect. So that's really my role is to, is to help the organization to think about change and to try and practice it effectively. And I do report into a wider office which is charged with doing that and more called the transformation office. So my role is sits on the executive team reporting to our board member, the Chief Transformation Officer, who has overall charge of leading change and other um, aspects of change within our business. Interesting. So now, this culture approach we're going to talk about today came as a result of the Allianz Group mandate to move towards becoming an inclusive meritocracy. Why did the business decide to build this cultural approach, and, and how did you do this? Yeah, that's a great question, Anna. Your cultural approach has to be aligned to your strategy. I guess that's 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 the fundamental principle. So we know as being uh, an operating entity of the Alliance Group um, uh, that we um, needed some direction in terms of where the group wanted to take Alliance culture globally across all its businesses. So a group came up with a concept for a culture called inclusive meritocracy. And the prescription, if you like, was that, you know, in order to take our Allianz strategy forward at the corporate, at the global level, we would need culturally to be an inclusive organization and a meritocratic one. And that was the instruction, if you like, sent to all uh, Allianz entities that, you know, our business going forward needs to be, needs to have this type of culture if we're to be effective. And the simple reason, I guess, is because uh, the world of work is changing. I know it's an enormous cliche, at this stage, but you know it's it's true. The world of work is changing, and 
People have different expectations. Workers of all ages have different expectations. Customers have different expectations. We know technology is is, is affecting real change in, in our personal lives and as well as our professional lives and in terms of how we do business and buying things and consuming consuming things. So essentially, somebody in group sat down, had a good think about what the cultural stance, if you like, needed to be for the business going forward and set it out as a prescription to all uh, Allianz businesses around the globe. Now, thankfully, uh, we have a parent group who is both helpful but also empowering. And we are allowed to come up with a program of work for our specific context, for our specific market, that would follow those broad group guidelines but enable us a bit of flexibility to try and effect real change in our market and in our organization. And we've chosen uh, an anthropological approach to to doing, if you like, inclusive meritocracy in Ireland. And, you know, we've been having some success and some challenges with it, but I guess what we've been trying to do is trying to do something a little bit different, we think. Interesting. So what would you say are some of the issues with current culture change approaches and and therefore why did you decide to try this different approach? Yeah, I guess I suppose there's two answers really. One answer would be from you know, as you might say, from the literature or from the learning out there about cultural change and what works and what doesn't work. And I, I can talk to that. And the other answer, and both of them are mixed together, the other answer is sort of more of a personal answer. Having been involved in my profession, in my role for a long time now in and around this topic and often being charged with contributing to to ideas and practices about how to change cultures, um, I've experienced uh, a lot of things that, that don't work when you're trying to do this. Uh, and also this is something that comes through in in the literature on culture change and what works and what doesn't. So we kind of stood back from it and said, okay, how are we going to do this? Are we going to take what you might call a traditional approach to culture change would be sort of well established in 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 the management and organization world, which would be to, you know, treat culture a certain way, go about changing in a certain way. Are we or were we going to take uh, what we ended up calling or what essentially was a more anthropological approach? And we chose the latter. Okay, without getting too detailed or technical, if you like, what is what are the alternatives to changing culture and organizations? But one of the challenges with changing culture and organizations as we see it and as I've experienced it is that sometimes culture is now the word is reified. What it means essentially is culture is taken to be a thing, a thing in and of itself that sort of sits above or floats between real people and organizations, you know, and you can change it by working on it. Or the opposite, culture has some influence over you that you never really quite have fully full control over. And that's, if you want to put it in simple terms, culture is often seen as a thing. Uh, but the problem with that, and this is a problem that's identified via the anthropological approaches, is that if you treat culture as a thing, it's very difficult to get your hands on it and to find out where it is. So one of the accusations of culture is it's almost sometimes too intangible or it's treated almost as mystical. It's this thing that we know exists, but we can never quite see it or touch it. And, and that can make it very intractable. You know, it can make it very difficult to get your hands on it. It can very, make it very difficult to measure it, to take progress with it. So we wanted to avoid that approach. Uh, and again, to sum up, avoid an approach that cre- treats culture as a thing and treat it more, and this is the, the, the benefit of the anthropological approach, treat it more as a, as a human-centered practice and say, look, culture is something that we do. 
Culture is practice. Culture is what we do and how we do it and how we learn how to do it. And taking that anthropological approach, and, and look, there are debates within anthropology as well. Our business anthropologists would tell me that a lot, that this anthropology is itself is, is divided in some respects in terms of what culture is. But when you have to change culture and practice, you have to take a stand on saying what it is and going about trying to shape it in a certain way. And the stand we would take would be okay. Let's treat culture as a practice and let's try to change the practices and see if that changes the culture. And that's what we've been doing, essentially. And it is a little bit different to, to mainstream approaches. What would you say the key elements of, of your approach are then? Uh, the key elements of the approach, well, now we're into sort of what, what, would a, what would the methods be? If you choose anthropology, let's say, as your framework for thinking about cultural change, what would some of the methods be? Well, anthropology's sort of primary method, our most famous method, would be ethnography. And ethnography is, in one simple sense, is when you sit with the people who live and operate in a certain culture and you work with them to understand the culture and to change it. So we have what we call action research. So we have an action research method that stems from our anthropological approach and it tries to shape culture essentially by understanding culture using all employees in the business who who operate that culture because everybody is culture and we work with them to change the culture by changing how how they do things and that's the key thing so another way to think about our cultural approach is culture as practice our culture is how we practice what we do and why do you think this dispersed model of culture change works so well i guess because it's highly inclusive now and again this is where the method we've chosen is highly inclusive in and of itself. It's also a great fit with the idea or the concept of inclusive meritocracy because one of the problems with some culture change models that we've just been mentioning, another problem is not just that they make culture a thing that you can work on as if you can almost stand apart from it and work on it as if it were the engine of a car, for example. Another challenge is they're, they're often very top-down. A top-down approaches to culture change are really eventually or ultimately they fail because they're not inclusive enough. So one of the things our anthropological approach does is not just relies on people to actively be involved for it to work in and of itself, but also because it's more aligned with the group mandate to have a culture that is more inclusive. So we like to think it's it's a kind of a win-win, or as they might say here, um, two birds with one stone. You know, if we do if we do culture this way, if we try to do it this way, and it's hard, it's a lot harder than other ways. We can talk about those, I guess, in a couple of minutes. But if we try and do it this way, we will be trying to do inclusive meritocracy by being more inclusive, and it, and it's kind of a double win. That's, that's the plan anyway so far, and that's how we've been saying it to ourselves and also telling the story of it internally, and so far it seems to be going down pretty well. Great. And, and how did you make the case for, for doing things differently? <laughs> this is kind of the easy bit and the hard bit, if I'm honest. The easy bit sometimes is that, and this is a good thing, I think, if you're a good change team, if you're a good HR team or organization development team, whatever, people will listen to you and they'll trust you. So when the CEO or a senior executive or an employee comes to you and, and, and says, look, how are you going to do this? And if you tell them, okay, look, we think we want to do it this way. We think this way is going to be more effective because ultimately it has to be more effective. If you have credibility, if you've delivered past successes, and if you can be persuasive and negotiate, people will listen to you because I guess ultimately, you know, we're supposed to know 
I know a little bit more, arguably, not not a lot more and sometimes less, but we're supposed to know a little bit more about these types of topics. That's why we have these roles in organizations. So I think that's one thing. I think you can make the case uh, more easily if you've delivered success in the past and you're, you're relatively credible about why it's going to be more effective. That's your hypothesis, essentially, isn't it? You're saying if we do this, it will be more effective than if we did it the other way and the other way then you, you sort of argue against. And look, the hard part is this is, this is riskier. And I, and I say that quite openly and we say that to people in here as well. And why is it riskier and what does that mean? Well, you know, including people, challenges, traditional concepts of who should own culture, who should be in charge of culture. So again, we're working with the general idea of an inclusive meritocracy, taking that at face value and saying, okay, if we're to be an inclusive meritocracy, this is going to have implications for hierarchy in our organization. This is going to have implications for bureaucracy. This is going to have, do you see what I mean? You have to be upfront with all stakeholders that this method, this action research method, this anthropological approach is going to take us a little bit deeper than we've been before, but that we were going to do that, that was going to be a productive, a productive thing. And so where are you now? How are you measuring these results? We are now about 12 months into our first key phase of becoming an inclusive meritocracy. So we know culture change takes time. Now, some, somewhere in the region of five to 10 years seems to be the consensus in, in the academic literature. And we're taking that as a guide. But really, when you're working on culture change, it's some, to some extent, it's slow work. So our first job was to remind people, if we want to do this properly, it's going to take a few years to, to see real traction. Now, that doesn't mean that we won't be able to see measurable results in year one, and we have. And I can talk about those in a minute. But I guess what I'm trying to say is the first job, if you like, in terms of stakeholders was to say to them, this is going to take time. Are we really serious about it? asking ourselves, were we really serious? And the answer was yes, because we had business challenges and opportunities that required us to, to practice our role differently uh, and, and to have a different culture as a result of doing that. So... We are one year in, specifically one year into phase one of our program. Phase one is becoming an inclusive meritocracy and with the emphasis on the word becoming. So learning how to be a new culture, learning how to understand what that means for learning, what it means for management, what it means for hierarchy, what it means for all these traditional concepts and structures and and ways of thinking about things that have been embedded in our organization and uh, and always are in every organization, sometimes for decades. And, you know, and they don't change overnight. So in tandem with the, the approach we're taking, we have had to change our definition of management and change how we practice people leadership and, and other things related. So essentially, we are working our way methodically throughout the organization, involving tranches of people from different teams across the business in our action research method. And we are essentially, through that, understanding what our culture is now and trying to generate and successfully generating actions from within those teams that are going to take us towards our target culture with an inclusive meritocracy. So in short, we have in the first year gotten a really good understanding of what our culture is now and the output from that process has been a significant cultural report for stakeholders and all employees to read. So there's a material benefit or production, if you like, from the process. The second outcome and another way to measure the work we're doing is how many actions are we generating and how far and how well 
are those taking us towards the target culture? In short, and in, in simple language, are we becoming more inclusive and more meritocratic as a result of the actions that are generated from the research we're undergoing? Because one thing with research is you, if you research well, you'll always understand what you have. But if you don't action well, you'll never get to where you need to be. And our business anthropologist in here, Dr. Robert Parra, has a great phrase. There's no action without research and no research without action. So in year one, we've been through the action research and other methods. We've been understanding our culture and taking real practical steps towards changing it. But it's it's going to take a a little bit longer for us to to, to get to where we are, to where we're being an inclusive meritocracy. We're still becoming one. Um, And phase two will be, okay, we think we're we're, we're kind of there now. How do we sustain it? That's another job in itself. Obviously, culture change takes some time, but it sounds like you've made some good progress so far. What do you think is contributing to the program's success to date? I think our business anthropologist has has really changed our thinking on this. So I've got to give credit to to the aforementioned uh, individual, Robert Power, who who sits in the transformation team and the OD team with myself and, and our colleagues. One individual, of course, does not change a cultural at all, but in the instance, this person has provided the expertise. So the expertise has, has been a big part of our success to date. He's offered a new way of thinking about culture. He's offered and facilitated new methods and developed people to facilitate new methods in order to understand and take us towards this, this target culture that we want. So that's been a huge part. But I think the overall part, and I think this person would agree, is that the sheer inclusivity of it, the way that it is not top-down, actually, it is both top-down and bottom-up. That, to me, has been the real key to success today. And when employees really feel that they're being genuinely included in something, they will, um, for the most part, for the majority, they will kind of contribute contribute to that. So I would put it down to a couple of things. The expertise that we have just injected into the team, the fresh expertise, the new expertise, and second of all, the sheer inclusivity of the of the idea, if it's practiced sincerely, will 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 deliver traction traction as well. I, I gotta give a call out as well to our Chief Transformation Officer and our CEO. Both of those individuals as well um sanctioned this work in the in the knowledge that it was going to be arguably more challenging, even if it was more effective in the long run. So I think that sort of support from moral and political support, if you like, from those two key individuals has been a huge part of our success as well, because these people have a lot of weight in the organization and people look up to them. So to hear them support an alternative approach, you know, was was part of it too. So I guess those three things, the expertise, the inclusivity, and the support from 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 powerful individuals to get it up and running. Some good successes so far. I'm sure there are challenges that come uh, with a, a change like this as well. Yeah. So, w- what are some of the challenges that are generated from doing culture change this yeah. way, and, and how are you overcoming these? Yeah, there's definite challenges. A couple of challenges. One of the big challenges is when you dig with a spade. You know, you're going to find some creepy crawlies. <laughs> Just a deliberate metaphor there. <laughs> Just, you know, this method goes deep. It goes a bit deeper than your average um, than your average culture change approach. And when you go deep, and by creepy crawlies, I don't. We're not we're not a special organization in terms of the problems we have, or uh, you know, the politics. We we have normal levels of all those things, and and actually, you know. We really suffer from them, in my experience, you know, we don't suffer from them. They're just 
part of how we go about we have different ideas on things that's very healthy so it's not a bad thing by any means but when when you uncover organizational truths you know through digging deep with employees and asking them certain questions and when you do it authentically you're going to hear things sometimes that are challenging challenging for yourself challenging for the individuals challenging for the senior people in the organization so how do you get those things out there uh, how do you validate them first of all to make sure they're 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 genuine and if they are genuine then how do you offer them up um, especially in an environment where Maybe they wouldn't have been spoken about before. For example, calling out the hierarchy and saying we're very hierarchical in, in here. And, and what does that mean? And are we? And if we are, is it a bad thing? And calling out maybe where it, its effects are felt more than, than in another area. So you're into that kind of thing. Not personal, not about naming names, but just about features of the culture which may be uncomfortable, you know, as all change can be uncomfortable. Calling organizational truths out, inverted commas, can be hard. Uh, and you only do it if calling them out allows you to change them uh, and affect them. You know, you don't do it to deliberately provoke anybody. Let me give you a very specific example here, because I'm probably being too abstract on this. One of the things that our first culture program found was that our hierarchy is very good. There's a lot of respect for managers here. We don't have any managers who treat people poorly or throw their weight around. So that's not our problem. But part of our hierarchy is it does need to be relaxed a little bit so that people can have more form for inclusion in terms of decision making. I don't think that's a particularly unique problem for us to have a lot of organizations who have been operating essentially industrial revolutions, management models. A lot of organizations have that. But what a lot of organizations don't do, they don't surface that and they don't take a look at it under the microscope and, and openly in a non-accusatory way and, and say, okay, what are we going to do? How are we going to, to sort of treat that or test, test how we could change that? And that can be challenging. And the way to overcome the challenge is to remind people that this is part of the journey, part of becoming a, a different culture, not an entirely different culture, but a, a culture that has new features, is to tackle these things. And some things just are not relevant anymore. They can be thrown away. They can put it, be put into the museum of culture, if you like. But uh, we have to interrogate them. Uh, and that can be challenging. So what would you say are some of the, the key lessons that you've learned along the way so far? Really good question. I think be honest with people about what you're doing, and I mean all stakeholders. Yeah, be honest about the different approach you're taking. Is if you're going to do this type of approach, I think you're going to have to be very upfront about the challenges involved. There will be different types of risks. It is going to uncover things. They will need to be dealt with if we're going to make serious progress. Whether that's about how parts of our culture we need to change or that, that maybe uh, don't fit as well as, as, as other parts. So the lesson there is to be honest with people about the method and to prime them, if you like, that look, the successful operation of this approach is going to require us to be a little bit harder in terms of being able to take some criticism, you know, from the people we work with. But that is not a personal thing. That's an objective thing. And, and it will be critique, if you like, of of no one individual in particular, but, but, but a critique in terms of how we've been practicing a certain thing, such as management. And our management model has changed. Um, and we've done a lot of work on that because of our culture change uh, imperative, if you want to put it that way, because you can't try to have a 
post-industrial revolution or modern culture, you know, which is inclusive and is more productive and, and, and tries to generate the wisdom of, of the collective, if you like, rather than a few uh, management elites, you can't do that without challenging the management model that you have. And that changes managers' identities. And some managers have been around for a long time managing successfully in one way, and now they have to learn a slightly different way. And that can be hard. So being open with people about the effects of doing culture this way, uh, what's reminding them of the, of the huge benefits, which, which certainly outweigh those risks if they're managed carefully and if they're managed in, a, in an inclusive way. I think that's the, the key lesson there and the lesson of inclusion. Just include everybody in, in what you're doing and, uh, and remind people that it's, it's, it's going to take time and have, if it's going to take time, have, we call them value drops, have drops of value that every six months or so shows people something that's of value that, that's happening now so that they don't feel, you know, it's going to take 10 years and in 10 years we'll all wake up and it'll be totally different, but that it's really, it's about the journey. And we can we can change on the way we are changing on the way, so people don't feel like this is going to be something that's going to bear fruit. Yeah, in five years, this can bear f- fruit in months. I like that concept of uh, of drops of value. So, yeah. I guess my final question for you would be: Do you have any advice for organisations that are interested in a similar approach? I do. I'm not going to say hire an anthropologist. That's too. That's too. <laughs> maybe, that is one thing you could do. <laughs> But I, I guess advice, I would, my advice to people in my situation would be just open your mind to other ways of doing culture. There are a lot of ways to do many of the things we do in organizations. There are a lot of ways for people to learn. There are a lot of ways for people to be managed. But very often, whether it's through the training that we receive or the books we read or just the, the experiences we've had, we don't always think outside of that scope, if you like. And even the idea of having... An anthropologist in an insurance company might sound a bit off kilter for people, but it's when you think about what we're trying to do, it's a perfect fit. My advice for people would be just to try to think differently about it and really just scrutinize on what is what you have working. And this is where I, from a personal perspective, started with this. Is, look, I think I know what doesn't work and I just don't want to do that anymore. And I don't think Allianz wants to do that anymore. I think we want to try something different. So try to be more try to be more experimental would be my advice. Be experimental, be open to different approaches and, and, and try them. And just because something doesn't fit in theory. I had a conversation with somebody recently who said they were confused as to why we hired a business anthropologist. But a couple of sentences later it was like, ah, oh, it makes complete sense. You know, so just to to go beyond the initial thinking about what culture is and how we change it and just to try and experiment with different approaches and, and you might find you, you get more traction. Wonderful. That's really interesting. Thank you so much, Richard. We really appreciate your time and, and sharing your journey with us so far. We wish you uh, success as you continue on. Thank you, Anna. Thanks very much for the opportunity. I really enjoyed our conversation and thanks to Chapman CG for, for the opportunity to talk about the work uh, my colleagues and myself are doing in Alliance Ireland and in group on this on this important topic. And that was Richard Cotter, Head of Organisation Development and Research at Allianz Ireland, talking to us about their interesting anthropological approach to culture transformation. For more excellent conversations from Chapman CG, subscribe to our podcast series or check us out at chapmancg.com.